0: Welcome to episode 5 of HocoCast, your local podcast sponsored by the Howard County Library System. We are Baz, Abby, Emmy, and Olivia, bringing you local Howard County happenings, from good reads to spooky things.
1: Being a teen is far from easy, especially during these chaotic and highly stressful times. It can be difficult to get out of bed or focus on work and assignments, but the key is to address these concerns and take each day one at a time. Things do get better, and even if the times don't, you certainly will. Here with us today to speak about mental health is Amanda Gano, a suicide prevention counselor with Grassroots Crisis Intervention Center. Trigger warning, we will be discussing mental illness, suicide, and substance abuse.
2: Amanda Gano lost her father, G. Bruce, to suicide May 12, 2000 at the age of 15. Over the last 18 years, she has worked and volunteered with various mental health and suicide prevention organizations with the hopes of helping others. She currently works part-time as a suicide pre-slash-postvention coordinator at Grassroots Crisis Intervention Center, supporting the community through suicide education and counseling-based services. She also works part-time on the Grassroots Hotline and Mobile Crisis Team. She's a Mental Health First Aid, MHFA, Youth Mental Health First Aid, YMHFA, and Question Persuade Refer, QPR instructor, and has spoken all over the state on topics related to mental health and suicide.
3: Jumping right into it, COVID-19 has forced many people into isolation. When it's difficult to physically connect, how can students still keep up their
4: mental health and wellness? This is a great question. So it's so important for us to keep up with our mental health and our wellness. Um, I always right, yeah. attach it to, you know, your physical health. If you weren't feeling well, we'd go to the doctor, right? We'd get a checkup. So mental health is the same thing. We have mental health, just like we have physical health and it can go bad. So, you know, we want to first and foremost, look at COVID-19 as we are not socially isolating. We are physically distancing ourselves. So we can still be social without having that physical connectness to us. So we can have ideas like doing Zoom conference calls like this. We can Mm -hmm. connect on the phone, FaceTime, um, Skype. You guys probably have, as, as students, have an array of technology that you can use. And we don't have to look at technology as a bad thing. I know a lot of people always say, oh, social media is so bad, technology is so bad, we should be off of it. And that's true to some extent. Students, you guys are online, all the time. Um, You have virtual learning, and then you're connecting on social media or technology to keep up that social aspect. But it's okay. It's okay to use this platform as a way to connect and be supported. And another thing you can do is we can still be safe and be in contact physically, staying the six feet away from each other, wearing our masks taking precautions. My friend group will do um, like barbecues or outdoor fire pits, bonfires. I know that's a privilege not all people can take, but it's a way for us to be able to still connect with other people that we know are being healthy um, and checking in when we're not feeling so healthy, um, just still have that physical connection. Um, but at a safe distance. And then another thing is um, one of my colleagues, Tina, she has developed a quarantine. So we're not talking quarantine, quarantine, a team of people that she can go to that knows how she ticks. Um, if she's not doing well, they know how to check in with her people that she's seeing, but they're being safe. They communicate that. And she has that team of people that are helping her through this time. So developing who your go-to people are, who your safety net is.
3: That is a wonderful idea. I love that. Like the changing, of, you know, quarantine quarantine, and having those people, you know, you can rely on. It's really important to have people, you know, that you can know that you can always talk to if you need to, especially in a time like this.
2: Absolutely. Right. So our next question if a student is in need of mental health counseling but feels inhibited by price or lack of support from those around them, what can they do? What can that student do?
4: I love this question. I think I just hit on the previous question about the the importance of physical health and mental health. When we're not feeling well, we go to the doctor. When we're not feeling mentally, it's always it's stigmatizing. It's a challenge of who can I call. Mental health care can be really expensive. Um, And the biggest recommendation I can give is grassroots. We're a, hundred percent free resource to our community. Um, You can call in 24 hours a day, receive free hotline counseling. We do walk-in counseling, which looks a little bit different because of COVID. Um, We do have to run some tests before you come into our establishment, but we can also set up Zoom meetings like this to counsel like we would face-to-face. Our mobile crisis team is still running, um, very similar to they were before, but we are taking extra precautions um, to keep people physically and and health-wise safe, but it, it's a free resource. So start there, start doing the crisis counseling on the phone or over a Zoom call, um, you know, build that relationship with us and we can help locate resources if extended care is needed.
2: Yeah, thank you. I really thank you for all the work you do and just helping people live their best lives and find the mental health resources they need.
4: You're very welcome.
1: All right. So our next question is, Do you think it's important to bring attention to the effect of social pressure on teen mental health, as well as how can students raise awareness of mental illness and take on an activist role?
4: Absolutely. Great question. Again, it's really important to draw attention to the effect of social pressure and teen mental health. I think about myself when I was your age and things were so much different. The pressures that I had as a teenager were nowhere near what today's students, today's teens are going through. So I think we need to talk about that. We need to normalize and say when, hey, this is too much on me, or Mm -hmm. I need a break from this, or this isn't, I'm not feeling, this isn't normal, or I'm not feeling okay. And being able to appropriately share these feelings with people. And I think it's also important for adults, parents, teachers, people who are much older to understand and not devalue the feelings that teens are going through. I often will hear parents say, well, Breakups happen. You'll get through it. You'll find somebody else, and you know, invalidating those feelings. Or when I was a teen, I had to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, you need to also be able to understand what teens are going through right now and how much it's taking a toll on their mental health. So just talking about it, normalizing it, um, and bringing and that's where the awareness, the advocacy part comes in. You know, one in five students struggle with a, a teens struggle with a mental health illness. It's okay so many of your peers are going through the same thing so let's talk about it if there's a diagnosis we don't have to judge that person for it we don't have to be labeled as bipolar or as depressed labels are for jars not for people so we need to remember that and you know it's okay if you want to talk about it it's okay if you don't want to talk about it because you're not comfortable there's always going to be the advocate out there that's comfortable saying hey, I'm Amanda and I have anxiety. There are other people who won't be okay with saying that. But go with the people who are okay advocating for it and talk about it. Share success stories when you go through treatment. Share um, that you can get through this, that recovery is possible. There is an advocate that I love talking about. I do a lot with suicide prevention, and his name is Kevin Hines. I don't know if you guys know who he is, um, but he jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge um, with that mindset of wanting to take his life. And now he talks about how he survived that suicide attempt. And he's normalized that people feel this way. People get to that point. But his now reaction is to teach people preventative measures and to understand that they're not alone through this. And he just has an amazing story um, and so brave to share those things. So I think it's important that power to speak openly about our struggles um, helps other people who don't have that voice to speak up. Thank you.
3: Yeah. You know, speaking of students, there's a lot of um, pressure from all sorts of things and and. One of the main ones is procrastination. Any student will tell you how detrimental procrastination is, but they keep falling into that trap. What steps can students take to minimize procrastination and stay organized?
4: When I saw this question, I just loved it because when I'm not an expert at like keeping a good schedule, I am like procrastinator time. <laughs> Um, and I think that's so important just to be able to say, like, I do it too. And I'm mid thirties and I haven't quite found what works. Um, so, you know, It impacts us whether we go to school, whether we're a teenager, whether we're old, young, have experience, not have experience. So I think the big thing is limiting procrastination. It's a skill that takes time um, and we have to work at it. It's not something that we just, I think, are born and, you know, we're able to get tasks done. That's a hard thing to do, especially when you guys have busy lives, busy schedules. So... Um, you know, some things that I always took away, I always remember college professors and like managers that I had in the workforce saying, you know, you know, it's not healthy to do it. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're leaving room for mistakes. And my response was always in college. Oh, I work better being under pressure. You know, I do a good job and then I would get good grades or be successful. And it was like, well, Maybe they're right, but I'm able to do this, so I'll just keep procrastinating. I'll still wait to the last minute. That's when my creative juices get going. But as I've aged, I've realized that it takes a toll on my mental health. It causes me stress. I panic. You know, I'm not prepared. I'll say things or do things that I didn't mean to. Um, so it is, you know, finding out that balance, finding out what works for you. Right. And I think one of those things is figuring out one why we're procrastinating. You know, is it because we're scared of a task? We don't think we're competent to do that task. Um, You know, we fear the result of it. You know, what is causing us to not want to get things done? Um, And I think once we figure out those barriers, it'll probably help make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Some tips that I've kind of learned over the last couple of years is one positive self-talk. You know, I always think would I talk to a friend or a loved one, how I talk to myself. So if I'm scared of the task, I think I'm incompetent. I think I'm going to fail at it. You know, I'm not going to say things like Amanda, like you're going to do awful at this or you can't do this. No, I wouldn't say that to one of you guys. I want to uplift myself. I want to tell myself I can do it, encourage myself. Um, Another thing is visualizing what needs to be done. You know, what is that final product going to look like in my head? What do I want it to look like? And I think that helps you get started on that task because maybe it drives some excitement um, into getting it done. And then writing down a plan. I'm a big set, a timetable. So if I have this big paper that needs to be done when I was in school, you know, saying that I need to get the intro done by this date, I need to get the body of the paper done by this date, the resources, you know, whatever it is, set a schedule. It doesn't all have to be done at once. Make a schedule for it. I often, I am one of those, I don't know if a lot of people do this, but I use the actual um, schedule books that you have to write down the planners. Mm -hmm. I just don't put things in my phone. And for me, it's really helpful to write down what needs to be done. And then when I accomplish it, crossing it out, that makes me feel so good, even if it's Mm -hmm. unloading the dishwasher. I just know I got a task done that day. Um, so making those schedules, doing rough drafts of things. It's okay to start and stop and be unsuccessful and not have it look like what it needs to be done. And then setting those goals, um, minimizing distractions. If I know I need to get something done, like we're gonna take the cell phone and we're gonna put it aside. We're gonna turn social media off, alerts on our phones. You know, whatever's gonna be distracting us. You know, if pets are distracting. Lock them out, close the door. Um, And then I negotiate rewards for myself. If I get this done, then I'm going to allow myself 30 minutes of TV time, or I'm going to allow myself to have that Snickers bar as a reward. You know, they can be little tiny things, little gains that kind of trick my mind into getting something done and staying on task. And then when all else fails, give yourself grace and forgiveness. For when you mess up, when you don't get the task done, if you have this whole plan and you still procrastinate on the task, forgive yourself and make a plan to do better the next time.
2: Thank you for those tips. Now, how would you define self-care and how can students implement self-care and stress coping practices in their everyday life?
4: Um, Self-care to me, it's a discipline. I think it's necessary for us to keep ourselves well. You know, we talk about physical health. It's the same as mental health. We need to be actively taking care of it all the time. And I always think of the scenario when you get on a plane the flight attendant tells you if the plane should go down, you're going to apply your oxygen mask on yourself first, and then you're going to help the person next to you. Because if you start helping those around you, you could end up hurting yourself and then you're no good to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's so important for us to take time for ourselves. And I think a lot of times people look at self-care as it's, you know, it's only for the privileged. like a self-care task needs to be something like going on a cruise or going and spending a lot of money on some tasks like a spa day. Um, and it doesn't need to be that big of a thing. We should be actively self-caring on a daily hourly basis, taking breaks from things. When I'm done here with you guys, I'm not going to jump into another task. I'm going to take a break for myself because that's positive self-care for me, you know, but setting a plan for those, putting that on your little schedule, whether you put yourself in a a calendar, like myself, like one that you write in or on your cell phone to Marking a break, say, you know what, for 15 minutes after I get done with school, I'm going to have a 15 minute self-care break, whether I practice some meditation or I go outside and get some sunshine or I eat that favorite food, you know, whatever it is, schedule it in. So you can't be missed just like a doctor's appointment. We wouldn't miss that appointment.
1: Well, thinking about self-care as a discipline, um, isn't something that I normally do. So thank you for sharing that. And so social media is often accompanied by pressure to not only be aware of current events, but to be actively participating in them. And some people make a point of not checking the news at all. Is there a balance between staying informed and staying well?
4: I think right now, especially with, you know, we have elections coming up, we have everything going on with COVID. We are either just drawn into the news right now, or we want to completely stay away from it because it's almost like every time we turn on the news, it's something negative. It's something bad that's going on. And we need to find that balance of what is helpful for us. I know for me listening to the news all day, every day is not good for my mental health. It gives me anxiety, but somebody like my husband, he likes to stay up on what's going on. So we need to find out what works for us um, and not apologizing for if, we can't be completely connected to it like other people are. You know, I had to do a little bit of research on the social media piece. Um, you know, I have my own opinions on social media and the news, but, you know, some recent research has shown that 65% of Americans receive their breaking news from social media. So of the 2 you know, billion people on social media, 65% use social media as their main news source. And we know... It's not always credible information. It's people's opinions. It's things that are stirred up for clickbait. So you click on this, you know, site and, you know, it, it doesn't always give you the proper information you need. So if we're going to use social media as our news source. You know, we need to make sure it's credible you know, do fact checking, you know, not reposting things, even if we see it and we're like, oh, this is such great information, like making sure that what we're resharing is actually true. Or if we're not sure if it is, you can just say, hey, this is my opinion. This is what I think. Um, And then, you know, again, I think the credibility piece is so important. I think back to, I remember, I don't know if these sites are still a no-no for you all as, as students, but like Wikipedia, we weren't allowed to use that as a source. Yeah, you couldn't say, like, you know, this is this is my 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 fact source because it's not credible. Um, you know, people can add to Wikipedia, so it could be their opinion base. So I think about it that way as well. Like you're not gonna use Wikipedia, so don't always hold to everything that social media has. Um, do some research. But then like I said, if you What's going on in the news is too much for us. Taking that mental health break from it is okay. It's okay to give yourself that time.
1: All right. Thank you. And thank you for talking to us. This has been a really good interview.
2: You are very I welcome. really appreciate your your insight and your tips and tricks. So that's been extremely helpful. And I'm sure our viewers or our listeners will be just, you know, find this just as valuable. One
4: other thing I wanted to talk about real quick was I gave the resource of grassroots hotline. So that's the 410-531-6677, completely free, 24 hours a day. We're there on a holiday. We're there when a tornado comes through, which we've had a a few over the last couple of years. Like We are there to help people. Um, Another resource that not too many people know about, but for the last couple of years, we've had an app that we developed at grassroots called there is hope and it's a suicide prevention app. Um, and it assesses for suicide lethality in somebody, whether it's yourself or somebody that you care about, or maybe somebody you don't even really know that well, but it assesses just like if you would call our hotline. So you would take about a 10, um, questionnaire, um, assessment and it would assess, you know, how many days have you felt this way? Um, have you had a prior suicide attempt? So different questions, just like we ask on our hotline, or just like therapists ask when you initially see a therapist. Um, and if that app deems that that person is at risk for suicide, it is an immediate connection with a push of a button to our hotline if you're located in Grass in Howard County. Um, so you'd come to Grassroots, or an immediate ca- connection to your local hotline if you're within the state of Maryland, and then. If you're outside the state, you can also connect to a hotline within your state. So, if you're in California taking this, you just click on the icon to connect to a different state hotline. It gives safety planning resources, how to talk to somebody who's suicidal, different trainings you can take, and then up to date statistics, risk factors, information about suicide. So, it's just a great tool. It's kind of like having a counselor in your pocket. Hopefully, you never have to use it, but it's there if a crisis should come up for somebody. And we also developed um, an overdose prevention app called OPIT, and that is um, very similar to the There's Hope app. It can do assessments to gauge um, for substance misuse, um, protection of people who are using, and then connection to resources. So that's a great resource as well for people to use and completely free. Mm-hmm.
3: That's great to have, especially um, with everybody in quarantine right now. Um, I know stress and all sorts of levels are really high. So it's so wonderful that there's, um, you know, organizations like Grassroots who are willing to just be there for people, which is so, so important all the time, not even just in quarantine, just all the time. And it's great to have those resources and have them be free for the community. So thank you so much for just coming on here, you know, sharing your resources, sharing your knowledge, because, you know, at the end of the day, that
4: that could be. Be what someone needs to hear, and that's what matters. Absolutely, and I just want to thank you all. I think it's so brave and so powerful that youth today are taking a role in destigmatizing mental health and promoting um, that we take care of ourselves. Hearing it from the our youth, um, I think, really sets the stage for people, adults who might not be doing a good job or need that reminder, um, and being a good role model for. Um, for your like, like-minded or other teens that you, you're in contact with, who maybe don't have that strength to stand up and say, hey, I'm struggling, what do I do? So good job to you all.
2: Here are some resources from Teen Health Matters. During these uncertain times, it can be hard to know where to turn for help Whether you're stressed out with school and looking for additional support or concerned about a friend who isn't as social as they used to be, the Bureau of Behavioral Health at the Howard County Health Department is here to help. There are many programs offered at the Bureau to support the mental health and well-being of Howard County teens. Our Behavioral Health Navigation Service can help you find the right mental health or substance use services for you or your loved ones. We also update a website for teens where you can find information about mental health and suicide prevention, including warning signs of suicide and tips for how to talk about it, crisis intervention resources, and a youth behavioral health directory. Visit teenhealthmatters.org to learn more or call 410-313-6240 to speak with our behavioral health navigator. Thank you. is a time of thrillers, costumes, and candy, so we'll be going over some of our favorite scary tropes, how we're spending this Halloween, and our favorite candy to binge because you can't have tricks without treats. Alright, tis the spooky season, leaves are changing, everything's uh, pretty scary outside, so let's talk some of our favorite scary tropes.
3: Ooh, okay we we love tropes I think that's really Me something too. that is good to think about I don't even know if it's really a trope but sort of when it's humorous at like Halloween stuff where it's or not Halloween oh geez um scary stuff where it's like funny a scary movie I don't know if you guys have ever seen or heard of that one but um scary movie is one where it's kind of done with humor and and i love mixing in fear with humor
0: um i i really like scary movies um right now i'm watching the haunting of hill house with my friend yeah um we're only on the third episode but wow the thing with the jump scares and everything oh Oh
2: my gosh. gosh then i'm the complete opposite of you guys i can't do anything scary (laughs) <laughs> at all I know this isn't I guess I shouldn't be saying this during our scary tropes segment but uh it's I'm being completely honest um I do appreciate you know some some monsters or such but it, nothing too scary and I just I can't do it you're not a <laughs> spooky person are you no not at all <laughs> I'm even like decorating the house for spooky season
3: <gasps> jump scares I think long have long since not scared me as much so i like eerie more than scary Mm because i like getting that kind of unsettling goosebumps vibe more than just a outright blah in your face jump scare i think that's a little bit you know not as much as i like a bit of an eerie creeping up weird feeling you know
0: yeah like i enjoy the scare you get when you think about it at night you know like (laughs) ghosts in your room under your bed kind of thing right yeah (laughs)
2: I'm not gonna sleep tonight am i
1: <laughs> i definitely like when there's a lot of buildup to a jump scare so it's like you Ooh, almost yeah. know it's yes. gonna happen but it's still it still creeps you out when it does where it's like oh they look out the window and then they look over the shoulder and then they look and then you know you're like you know when they look back at the window there's going to be something scary but yeah. it's still like the soundtracks building and the lighting shifting mm-hmm
3: Music yeah. choice is a big one. If they don't choose the right music, I just, I'm out of the moment. But if they choose the right music, oh, my goosebumps, all of my arm hair raising. Well, absolutely. And I mean,
2: it's kind of interesting when you look at books versus movies and TV shows and how they're able to get that good, scary feel. Like, I feel like for movies, it's almost scary easier maybe because i would agree, you can I would agree. put in music and other like, effects but you can't really more sensory
3: more sensory things you can do with a movie or a video but with a book you're right you have to, you have to describe you have to really capture your viewers and pull them into your world I've read parts of Stephen King novels every now and then, but um, but I know sometimes I'll be reading a book and there'll just be like one line that makes like a reference to something earlier on or to something that you might've picked up on if you were paying attention. I just go,
1: Ooh, I feel like movies though, even though they have those extra tools to be scarier, like there's so many horror movies where it's just like they had, they had the idea, but the execution isn't there. Like I have, I feel like a very specific taste for what I like in horror movies with like development of backstory and like making sure that makes sense. Why is the protagonist in this situation, you know, where, you know, in something like the woman in black, where it's like, he has to do this job. This is a, you know, he can't, he's got to provide for his kids. So he's got to go to this house and blah, 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 you know, where it makes a lot of sense why they're there. Meanwhile, I feel like that's something that horror novels often, do a lot better at with the descriptions but the movies don't always weave it in as well so then sometimes I'm a bit dissatisfied
3: Mm, well I can understand that. that It, with so many just different horror movies it can kind of get a little repetitive or or a little bit of a lull um as a lot of similar sort of um experiences are in movies. I mean I know f- for some people that just like watch horror movies so much you know they just get bored of it at some point they're like, oh, I know what's gonna happen now and I think that takes some of the fun out of it um yeah. and that's why I like seeing like different types of horror movies like I went and saw um a silent place um or a quiet place mm, yeah. uh, when it came out in theaters, and um, honestly, the movie itself isn't necessarily scary; it's eerie, which is like right up my alley. Um, but what they did is they messed around with with um, using the other senses as opposed to just sound. They they messed around with having it just be dead silent, and um, you know, as someone who really hates the silence, and you know, in the movie, you just can't make a sound. It was just really neat to see that sort of utilization. Of just silence as a mechanism, as opposed to sound.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing like a documentary online, like on YouTube, that talked about how they got the sounds. Yes. Yeah, like of the. Most, I saw that I one forgot, too. Yeah, I
3: forgot how they did it exactly, but do you remember what it was? Um, there's a name for it. It's how they do sound effects in movies, and it's some it's called silly folly or folly. Yeah, folly, mm-hmm. folly um and there would be like scenes where they would show like you know crunching celery or something yeah, and that yeah. would be like a, a i don't know a crack sound and i don't know it's just, it's fun to see the different usages of sound especially in a movie where like the protagonists just don't don't talk i don't know if they talked the entire movie except for like that one one scene maybe and um it was really just interesting to see the use of silence and sound and camera angles and and even the music, I think, was limited in it. Honestly, I think the music, too, if I remember correctly, wasn't too much of it. So speaking
2: of scary effects, what are you guys doing for Halloween? Are you decorating your houses? You know, I feel like for Halloween, there's two kinds of people, right? They're the people who put up, like, scarecrows and pumpkins. And then there are people who have, like, giant 10-foot spiders in their front lawns.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm definitely one to decorate really intensely for Halloween. Um, We have a bunch of decorations. We're really trying to go all out this year, I think, since we're at home. We've got nothing better to do. We've got spiders. We've got lightning effects. We've got these really cool window panels that you put up, and it looks like a giant is staring through your windows. We just got a new fog machine. Um, We love to have fun. I love to decorate, and I love making things look like spooky. Um, So I'm really looking forward to getting all that together. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I was just going to say like what Olivia said. I was thinking of like there's the wholesome Christian family and then there's the edgy graphic family on the other side of the street. (laughs)
3: Because sometimes that little fall scarecrow with the painted on smiley face just gives you good vibes, you know? Um, And plus that can stay up a bit longer than Halloween decorations since it's more of a general fall season.
1: Yeah, my sister, since she's now doing school online at home, Um, She brought, you know, she always decorates her dorm rooms. Now she brought all of her Halloween decorations back. So now it's like we have even more stuff. It (laughs) is wonderful.
2: What kind of stuff do you put up?
1: Now we have a bunch of uh, spooky wreaths, which are very fun to decorate the house with and outside the house. Um, We definitely have an assortment of spider webs that we're using and like little hanging ghosts. We do have, of course, our scarecrow, who is in the front of our lawn, and we try to let him not get tossed around by the wind. We do have a fairly long driveway that we decorate with little skeleton heads that peek out of the ground. and occasionally when they choose to they light up
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've got a a posable skeleton that we sit in the bench on our front porch and we make him pose to look out in the street and we also have a little skeleton bulldog so we put the bulldog next to him on the bench and have him like pet the bulldog pet the little um, skeleton dog it's always fun to just kind of drive by the house or walk up to the house and just see the skeleton having a good time and petting his dog Mm -hmm.
2: well we look so okay we live on a cul-de-sac right Mm -hmm. so usually all the Parents will just pull the resources and put out a giant table at the very end of the cul-de-sac with just all the candy and everything. So we don't have any need to be inside our house during Halloween and like make things look nice and pass out candy. So <laughs> we don't have anything. We don't have anything up. I like think we like sometimes put out a little skeleton, but it's just really sad and small, so <laughs> it just sits there. <laughs> yeah, every year we're like this is the year we're gonna get kids and of course
1: the year is now not the year Now Aww. that we finally got kids to move to the neighborhood, it's not the
3: year Right, um, that's the same with us. We actually have a decent young demographic now, but <laughs> oh, nope
1: <laughs> yeah, so Instead we're having, um, they're going to do a little Halloween parade Where they can show off their costumes yeah. in a distant manner
2: um, yeah. Will it be like a contest or something? Do people get prizes?
1: I haven't heard about any prizes, but
2: I, I gotta do. have prizes. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, I think I'll try to have a little um, COVID safe get together with a few of my friends because I'm working on a costume because my favorite thing about Halloween is have, making a costume. Um, I like making my own costume a lot of times. Um, sometimes I'll cosplay, but it's just an excuse for me to put a lot of effort into a really nice costume. So I'm being a <laughs> prince this year, like a like a fantasy prince, I guess. I don't know. Um, I've ordered some base clothes and worked out a color scheme and design and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to, to dressing up like that and showing off to my friends, maybe, and just kind of doing it for myself so I can feel cool.
2: That's awesome. I don't know what I'm gonna do in terms of costume. I guess i probably just dress up like a Jojo character.
3: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: probably it.
3: Hey, that's valid. I, I mean, I, I dress up as a high-Q character a couple years back. Oh, so yeah, who did yeah. you dress up as? Uh Tsukishima because I already had the sports goggles and my hair was blonder back then. Nice. <laughs>
1: Do you have any, any costume plans, Abby?
0: Um. Well, for me, I don't really dress up for Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's kind of like, wow, you're very basic, Abby. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, our family is actually really Christian. Mm. So, yeah, so we go to church <laughs> on Halloween. <laughs> we volunteer for this thing called Halloween night. Um, where the kids come over and they trick-or-treat at our church. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So
3: that's still nice, though. It's a fun little thing for the community. I mean, let's be honest, the real fun of Halloween is getting the candy.
1: I'm trying to do a social, distant, um, get-together with some friends, too. We're going to have a little fire, mm-hmm. and we're going to project Hocus Pocus onto, like, a white sheet. <laughs> oh, nice. Some tree, yeah. We'll clothesline, hang it down, project it, um... And so, but we're going to, we're requiring costumes for all of them. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> all Hopefully. of them, I need mean three people, but. <laughs> That's also a <laughs> mood. Yeah. I'm going to be um, the the female Cenobite from Hellraiser. Because I really, mm-hmm. I really like her costume design. Um, and she has like, her neck is like open. So I'm going to be, mm. so I'm making her shirt out of latex. Um <gasps> Yeah, I've currently worked out like the tank
3: top and now I have to make another part. I've never done this before, but (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) luck. Good luck oh gosh that that, that's me I'm trying to work out some makeup design I don't wear makeup like ever but I was trying to work out some makeup to make me look more masculine so that I can really truly um personify the prince that I'm trying I've even made a character for it because goodness knows I'll make a character out of anything and everything (laughs) um so I'm trying to work out some like makeup and my makeup skills to like give myself a bit more of a cheekbones you know thicker eyebrows um and I actually had some pretty decent success with it the other day as I was testing it out so I'm looking forward to working on that more
2: very cool I think we uh
3: talked about candy a little bit what, what what's your guys favorite candy I'm definitely like a chocolate person yes. over
2: like a yes. fruit
3: person uh, yes. I can't relate fruit over chocolate any day my dude i so sorry what? just sit down sit down <laughs> oh, what <laughs> Um, And so I think you, you can
1: never go wrong with like a basic, you know, chocolate like Hershey bar or something Mm. that like standard is good. I definitely like um, something like a Milky Way where it's got like the stretch and it's good Mm. chocolate on the outside softer on the inside. I think you can't go wrong there. That's just my opinion.
3: I mean I'm a sweet tooth all around so even though I do prefer more fruity candies you you know that I'll be eating everything in my <laughs> my Halloween candy basket my favorite candy I think that oh my gosh it's I'm going to sound like 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 a grandma or something I love Heath bars <laughs> the toffee candy which does have chocolate on the outside and then toffee on the inside I love Heath Bars, like to death. They're one of my favorite things. Um, I'm also a big Butterfingers fan. Um, I love getting, you know, the little runts candy or the soda pop, the soda bottles, soda caps candy. I love so, those yeah. as well. Sweet tarts, um, blow pops, uh, ring pops. Um, I just like fruity candy, gum like uh trolley gummy worms and whatnot. I love those. <laughs> um gummy bears. Um I like getting those weird one-off candies where it's like from that one house that has candy from like, I don't know, like the most obscure candy or candy that's <laughs> relevant to their culture and they're giving it out. Um, I think it was a little Korean or Japanese candy. Oh it my was gosh. so good. <laughs> Do you know what it looks like? Maybe I can recall it. It was, you. oh goodness. It was like purple. Um, it was a purple package and I think it was like um white and purple like striped on the inside and I don't even remember what the flavor was I don't think it was any flavor that I recognized as a as a, like a more western flavor I don't think but it was in a purple thing it was really good
0: <laughs> <laughs> well based on your description
3: that it had some white it was probably like a milk milk grape candy Ooh, that might have been it it might be well we'll have to touch base about that later because that was a good candy <laughs> all right let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> um and oh you know what while we're talking about candy who here likes mint chocolate cuz i know that's a debate and that some people will get heated about mint chocolate flavored things ice cream candy cuz i love like andy's bars i don't know if you guys know what those are it's little oh, andy's yeah. chocolates it's mint and chocolate so what about you guys what's your feels i love mint chocolate i
2: don't know i mean i love mint chocolate cookies and and ice cream mm, yeah. but in terms of like actual candy uh i don't know <laughs> yeah i'm good with it i like it <laughs> all right okay happy <laughs> i
3: mean anything chocolate's fine with me so. <laughs> good all right we're all in agreement okay, I, agree I know some people one. get really they're like no no mint shouldn't be mixed with candy or edible at all and i just don't get it mint and chocolate is such a it's good tasty. duo yeah. yeah i was a sucker for yorks when i was little mm. so <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think my favorite chocolate, it's called Elite, right? It's from Israel. And so it's this really nice chocolate bar, and they have popping candies inside. So as you mm. eat it, it's like crackling. It's so good. Dude, I need to yeah. try that. That sounds so good. Oh, it's delicious. It's called Elite.
0: Um, for me, I mean, of course, it's kind of obvious I do really like chocolate. <laughs> but um, if I'm looking for a challenge, I would probably go for a warhead oh warheads
3: yeah. are good fireballs yeah. going off of that little um cinnamon candies or red hots i'm sorry red hots is that what they are i'm not I, sure hot tamales. So. Mm, cinnamon cinnamon candy let me tell oh you i goodness. love those i will eat them until my tongue hates me but i don't <laughs> care were you guys into like watching the kit kat commercials when you're little
0: yeah they always showed up on tv yeah I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's made such a big deal out of it. I don't know why. I
2: think it was just because the commercials are really absurd. But um, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I just <laughs> want
3: to bring that up for a little.
2: <laughs> yeah. I need to go back and watch them. Then I don't really remember yeah. any Kat.
3: I just remember the plot between the the like. Oh, or was that Twix? Where it was right Twix versus left Twix. those Twix. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But but you know, going back to Kit Kats. uh, I know there's like so many other flavors of Kit Kat that exist like over the rest of the world. And I really, really want to just go on like a Kit Kat trying spree (laughs) at one point. Like they have a matcha Kit Kat, I'm pretty sure. And I love a matcha. Oh my goodness don't even get me started it's like a flavor green tea ice cream is one of my favorite ice creams matcha pocky matcha like anything i'm just a sucker for matcha and i saw <laughs> matcha kit kat somewhere and i was like "Ooh, i need to try that go to hmart and they're matcha everything they have Ooh. yeah oh.
2: if you guys like m&ms mm. what's your favorite m&m I don't want to say stuffing because that sounds weird, but they have like (laughs) M&Ms with peanut butter inside and like all kinds of things. So what's your favorite? Honestly,
1: I don't like the ones with caramel in them. I don't know what it is because like a milk dud or something. I'm like that that's done right. Chocolate and caramel. That's good.
3: Milk duds are good. For some reason, M&Ms just did it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say they're definitely not my favorite that caramel ones, but I Again, I will still eat them, but that's just because I do not discriminate against candy. <laughs> but um, the peanut M&Ms and the pretzel m oh, yeah. and the and the crispy, like the wafer m ms yeah. those are all really good. Peanut oh, m ms I've gotten a bit addicted to because my friend is really like we used to eat them all the time and she would always give us some. And I was like, wow, these are just really good, aren't they? <laughs>
1: I don't think I would choose any
3: over a regular M&M, but yeah. I definitely I enjoy the texture. See, see, I would I would probably choose peanut M&Ms over a regular M&M just cuz I love peanut M&Ms and I like having that extra little crunch to them.
2: Mhm. I have to agree. Plus, they're like so much larger because the peanut yeah. is inside, so it's like extra candy, you know.
3: Right, right, and it's not as sweet because, like, the M and M's when they're when they're just chocolate, they stick on your tongue and they and they are they're very sweet. And mm-hmm. even though I have a sweet tooth, you know, like the peanut M and M's got that nice little bit of savory, so you can right. take a break from eating all of your candy in one go with some savory. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and like, you know about the normal M&M, like for us, we would never get like the actual bag. My mom would pick out like 10 M&Ms and give it to us each, never (laughs) could eat the whole thing. So like we would get like the food coloring all over our hands and like it would be all sticky and everything.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. What I would do is I would um, melt like the candy shell in my mouth and then my tongue would be (sighs) whatever color the M&M was. (laughs) thoughts on the halloween shaped pretzels going off on a little bit of a tangent here but i know some people have very strong feelings about this you know i'm kind of a fan i kind of like having the halloween pretzels I, i think it's a nice break but some people are like don't give me that on halloween i'm here for candy but honestly i don't mind it they're little bats and little pumpkins and they
1: taste great um, first I thought you meant that people were just against pretzels and <laughs> they did like, you know, the regular either twisted shape or the stick. And I was like, what's <laughs> happening? But I, I, I now know <laughs> what's going on.
3: Yeah. So like what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you agree that it should just be candy and that people shouldn't be giving out um pretzels or, or do you like the pretzels?
1: Um You know, I think it can be nice for a little bit of variety, but Mm -hmm. I also understand the argument of that this is the status quo, (laughs) Uh, you know, and then it's like, where's the line draw? You know, once you give out the pretzel, then you give out the celery.
3: (laughs) oh my it's just a spiral a slippery slope i
2: i have i have a horror story to to share um so my mom she's a dentist and <laughs> One Halloween, she had a surplus of toothbrushes and toothpaste. So, do you know what she oh, gave no. out for Halloween? Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. after that, she was banned from uh, participating <laughs> in Halloween fire our neighbors. They oh, said that she God. had to stay home. She couldn't even come out now. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god yeah toothbrushes toothpaste that um that unfortunately happened
3: oh no that's like the thing in all the kids shows where they, they make fun <laughs> of the people who give out the yeah. toothbrushes they're like oh i got a toothbrush <laughs> at least once i got
1: a spooky toothbrush where it was like orange Ooh. and black, the oh. black yeah
0: <laughs> oh i don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not but do you
3: guys like tootsie rolls um, it depends. I like the flavored ones, oddly enough. I don't like standard Tootsie Rolls as much, but vanilla Tootsie Rolls, Mwah. Chef's Kiss. Those are so good. And the fruity ones, some can get it, some can't. But you know, I, I like the flavored ones more than the chocolate ones.
1: Yeah, I have to agree on that one. But I'll mm-hmm. still I'll still have them, of course. They're
3: still oh, yeah. of course, of course. You yeah, know, I-, I don't <laughs> discriminate. I'll eat whatever. <laughs> Oh, one thing I thought of was um, Laffy Taffy. Uh, I was looking at like the worst candies and one of them was candy corn, which we can get into in a second because I know some people also have feelings about candy corn and whether or not it's good. But Laffy Taffy, I, okay, one of my favorite candies, which I didn't even think about is banana Laffy Taffies. They're so good. I haven't thought about that since third grade.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: true. I don't feel like they're as popular, but... I'm not sure. You know, I feel like they're interesting. I like the portion sizing.
3: Yeah. I I can appreciate it. Yeah, And it's long lasting. You can either choose to chew it. You can choose to like you know, suck on them and you'll last a while. It's just good candy and it's fruity. And you know me, I like fruity candies. You know how it
2: is. <laughs> I don't like Laffy Taffy. I really don't.
3: <laughs> you'll have but to give I'm me all also... your Laffy Taffy then. <laughs> of
2: course, of course. But um, I'll spark the candy corn debate by saying I really like candy corn.
3: I actually like it as well. I am Are a me. fan. I, Are we, Abby? What What is your deliberation? I, um,
0: I've never tried it. <gasps> oh, <laughs> okay. What?
3: Oh my goodness! Well, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, candy corn is one of those things where I, I I was even just talking about this with a different group of friends the other day, where they were like, ew, candy corn!" I'm like, "Oh come <laughs> on, guys, it's not that bad." follow-up though the little candy pumpkins like the they're like the same texture as candy corn as the pumpkins also really good but they are very sugary and they get very sugary very quickly but I still think think they're valid
1: my sister had a friend where she would say you know the first candy corn that you eat it's amazing the second one even better (laughs) than the other 98 that you have to eat
3: (laughs) Not as good. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I understand. I'll I'll concede. (laughs) It does get really sugary really quickly because, in essence, that's all the candy corn is just sugar. (laughs) But I still think they're valid. Um, I I, you know, I used to always think as a kid, like, ooh, the the different colors are different flavors. They're they're not, (laughs) except on the brown ones, the um candy corn that are like Instead of having orange at the bottom, they're brown. It has a more um, I think it's meant to be uh, caramel or caramel. Oh. I think. I'm not entirely sure, but it tastes different. That's the only like difference that I can make out. The, the brown candy corn versus the orange candy corn.
2: Are you sure it's not just like burnt or
3: something? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no there's whole sets of, of like brown candy corn. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've
1: definitely seen brown candy corn before. Thank you. See? (laughs)
3: That's good.
1: For our, um, once again, our little get together, we are going to try to make, you know, chocolate chip cookies, but instead they're going to be candy corn cookies. (laughs) So we'll experiment and see how those go.
3: Yeah, let, let us know for sure seem to have very similar minds when it comes to candy <laughs> i like that you know it really just makes us a more harmonious podcast <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like maybe does anybody have a, a particular really strong halloween memory or fun story they want to share as a final thought sort of thing oh
0: one time um for the remember how i said the Halloween night thing at a church yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so there's this one time where both me and my brother had no idea what to dress up as like we were like thinking about it all day consulting each other at night like what the heck do we wear because our church had like this contest where the kid who wore the best costume would get like a whole bag of candy and stuff yeah so we yeah so you can tell how much of a big deal this was to us yes, so my dad yeah so my dad came up to us and he's like hey I was I studied graphic design when I was in college, so why don't I make you guys something? So we said sure, right? So he handed us cow costumes on the morning of Halloween. We <gasps> were like, where the heck is this going, right? Our dad hands us these two signs. Can you tell what they said? Like, give me a guess.
2: Is it the Chick-fil-A sign? Yeah, I was gonna
0: say yes. is it the Chick-fil-a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so we went dressed as the Chick-fil-A cows. That's awesome,
3: Halloween. (laughs) That's great. I don't think we won either, which is a pity. But um,
2: oh, I would have voted for you.
3: Yes,
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's good talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: Halloween. Happy Halloween for sure. For sure. Happy Halloween. Yeah, Halloween. What's
0: scarier than a good story, huh? Today, we'll be sharing some of our most terrifying reads and watches.
2: This is a book that looms large in the public consciousness, having sparked decades of movies, TV shows, and cultural conceptions. What am I referring to? None other than Dracula by Bram Stoker. What? Has English class sort of ruined it for you? I promise it doesn't suck, or at least it only sucks in the vampire sort of way. The book opens with young lawyer Jonathan Harker. He travels to Transylvania to conclude a business deal with Count Dracula. He soon realizes that he's being held prisoner in the Count's castle, and that the Count has supernatural powers and diabolic intentions. A dark thriller and adventure, the book keeps a fast pace and with philosophy and personal revelation as the characters plot to keep one step ahead of their foe while also questioning their own morality. Most notable is the relationship that forms between the characters, one of trust and love as they battle demons outside and within. Truly, the book can be surmised with a quote from one of the protagonists. The world seems full of good men, even if there are monsters in it. Because as hopeless and grim as the world may seem, there are always the good men, women, and people who strive to give light. It's beautiful, this world. You just have to see past the things.
0: Imagine you're living a regular life. Going to school, having small talk with your middle school crush, and getting ready for college. One night, you wake up, and you notice that a small, worm-like creature is burying itself into your right hand. You do the best you can to shake it off, and after believing doing so, you resume sleeping. The next day, after school, you find that the creature had actually taken over your right hand, and you now have to form a symbiotic relationship to survive in a new and horrifying world with man-eating parasites. This is the story of Izumi Shinichi, the main protagonist of the anime and manga, Parasite the Maxim. Parasite the Maxim, written and illustrated by Hitoshi Iwaki, is a thrilling and entertaining telling of a sci-fi adventure in the perspective of an adolescent boy and his partner in crime, Migi, a strange creature living in his right arm. By tackling philosophical questions, inquiring about the value of human society and what it means to be a human, Iwaki gained widespread recognition for his work. But before I get into any praise I have for this story, I just have to give some mandatory criticism, specifically to the anime. Not trying to upset anyone, just my opinion. It's just a bit tacky with slow pacing and confusing plot holes. Um, but there is one issue that I have with both the anime and the manga. The harem. Now, if you don't know what a harem is, it's basically where a singular person is given multiple love interests, and it's a staple anime trope that's been in the medium for decades. This gives room for unnecessary characters, strange plot lines, and just a whole lot of stuff that you don't really want in a story that's trying to ask about the meaning of life. Despite all of this, though, I have to give Iwaki credit where it's due. The art is uncanny, yet beautiful, with the storyline full of action and suspense. The characters have meaningful depth. For example, there's this one character named Tamia Reiko, who's a parasite in a human body who starts off as an emotionless character experimenting on a child, who eventually starts to care for the child and become more human-like. I think the best aspect in all the chaos that is this story, though, is Shinichi's existential crisis. What I mean by this is not him questioning what to do with his life, but him questioning his own humanity. The question is consistently brought up through each significant event of this story. What does it mean to be human? Emotions? Complexity? Shinichi, along with the audience, continuously tries to answer this question as the story progresses. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I can I can't emphasize enough how much I love Shinichi's portrayal and just the way these philosophical questions were handled throughout the story. You could tell how much thought Yuaki put into making Parasite, and it's because of all this that it's so enjoyable. All in all, I guess I'm just a sucker for stories with the confusing mix of depth and violence. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. This is really gory, so if you're not okay with that, I recommend not watching. Um, but if you're looking for an anime to watch or manga to read during the spooky season, I say Parasite is a great way to go. You'll be charmed by the action, fascinated by most characters, and skeptical about your own human nature. Oh, and you'll start wishing for a monster fighting parasite to take over your arm. Watch or read Parasite, the Maxim. Last year, I reviewed The Woman
1: in Black as my horror piece of choice, which is a book, a play, and a movie. This year, I thought I'd review the novel Ring by Koji Suzuki. Ring follows the story of Kazuyuki Asakawa, a journalist, as he investigates a VHS tape with supernatural abilities after the death of his niece. The tape is sworn to kill people in seven days after watching it. At least that's what the rumors say. Sound familiar? That may be because you've heard of The Ring, the American movie adaptation which follows Rachel Keller and her former partner Noah Clay as they investigate the effects of a VHS tape with supernatural abilities that has sworn to kill people in seven days after watching it. But The Ring, which was released in 2002, isn't the first movie adaptation of the novel Ring. There's also a Japanese movie adaptation known as Ringu, which was released only four years before The Ring was created. After Ring and its sequel, Spiral, were published in 1991 and 1995, two separate producers were set in Japan to create the movie adaptations of the book and sequel to be released at the same time to boost their popularity. Ringu did great, following Reiko Asakawa and her former husband, Ryuji Takeyama as they investigate the supernatural VHS tape, while Spiral, not so much. And so a year later, Ringu 2 was released, a sequel by the same director as Ringu that did not adhere to the plot of Spiral. Three years later, an American production company released The Ring, and three years later, they also came out with The Ring 2. And yet, with so much Ring content, I would recommend all of it. Maybe not all at once, but if you want an interlocking mystery trilogy with chilling descriptions— Give Ring by Koji Suzuki a try. The descriptions within the novel are twisted, with a suspenseful postmodern flair to top it all off. The initial Ringu movie is more eerie than scary, but it has a soundtrack that wonderfully induces nerves. Even with the total lack of gore, the movie knows how to reach deep to creep out its viewers. The Ring is probably a bit more of what we would think of as traditionally scary, with more gore and a bit more clues to figure out along the way. And another main difference between the two movies, though, is that The Ring is basically the westernized version of Ringu. I'd still highly recommend either movie, but the plotlines and scenes are very similar, if not the same at times, that the preference of eerie versus scary should probably be the tipping point in preference in watching one movie or the other. Still, whether it's the book, the movie adaptation, or the second movie adaptation, I'd highly recommend Ring. What do you
3: get when you mix an avid believer of spirits and the supernatural with a fearless skeptic who's way too confident ghosts don't exist? The answer is BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural, a free web series on YouTube where two friends, Ryan Bergara and Shane Madey, seek to answer the question, are ghosts real, by visiting notoriously haunted sites all over the world. From investigating the Goatman's Bridge to doing a house call for a close friend, join these two on their journey to catch proof of spirits, all while bantering and debating if ghosts truly exist. Compared to so many other ghost hunting series that feel staged or fake, Buzzfeed Unsolved feels truly real because of Shane adamantly disproving any possible piece of proof. They review footage, sound, and scenery to make sure their evidence is actually evidence as Ryan often claims it to be, and not just the wind or a natural sound. The episodes are eerie and build suspense quite well, leading to hair-raising moments while also providing an entertaining watch with comedic breaks for the more faint of heart. Whether you believe in ghosts or are skeptic yourself, Ryan and Shane's dialogue and interactions are more than entertaining and the videos are well put together. You can also get a decent bit of history of the places they go to, which is neat when they travel to castles or prisons. And for people who are more into real stories, they alternate between unsolved supernatural and unsolved true crime, where they delve into the world’s most insane unsolved crime cases, discuss theories, and perhaps find the real killer. No matter who you are, BuzzFeed Unsolved is well worth a watch, especially with the spooky season.
2: Thanks for listening to Hoko cast. We know that in these turbulent times, it can be all too easy to look for an escape. Or to block out the world with candy corn and
0: Twix. But we have to continue having these conversations in order to understand and ultimately find solutions. So contemplate, educate, and reach out.
1: We're one step closer to a future fit for all of us.